So yeah, this is, uh, I'm Gilda. And I'm Steph, and this is Saturday Night High, the podcast where we talk about Saturday Night Live while being high. Yes, this is Wake and Bake Edition. Um, at least for me. Um, Good morning. So I might sound a little sleepy, but, too. you know, whatever. Um, yeah, so this episode, we are, today we are talking about Season 2, Episode 9. It aired on November 27th, 1976, and it was hosted by Jodie Foster with uh, some musical performances, if we can call them that, by Brian Wilson. Yeah, Jodie Foster was the youngest host at this point, and she was 14 years old. And I feel like you could tell she was, they had a younger host because some of the sketches felt a little bit, um, I don't know, restrained. Yeah, no, the material was definitely um, appropriate, made appropriate slash aged down. And I think that was both good and bad. Um, but... Yeah, the cold open was just fucking weird. Um, Gilda Radner's on stage talking about how they're not going to see a lot of her this week because she wasn't in a lot. She might be background in some stuff, but she's not really doing well on the show. And there there was something about... I, she's like, I don't know. I felt um, a little... I felt a little weird about it, but they reassured me that, no, no, everything's fine. It's all in your head. And I was like, okay. So literally they're just straight up gaslighting her. Yeah. Yeah. No, this was just a strange cold open. It set the tone off on a weird, weird angle. I don't really know where to end that sentence. Sorry. Yeah. It was a, no, it was a weird vibe. It just like kicked the show off with like, wait, what? All All right. Sure. She was like, Mom, turn it off. You won't see me. Yeah, I, I did not. Yeah, whatever. That, <laughs> my comment on that was, huh. Yeah, and so from that, we go into um, Jodie Foster's monologue where she mentions uh, the teenage Miss America pageant, not once, but twice. Um, rather gay Miss Foster. Um, but yeah, she was wearing this, like, one of those, I don't know what they're called, but one of those little, um, like, newsboys, like, in newsies, one of the little hats, a little newsies like hat, page, she's wearing a newsies like a hat. Like a page, a page boy cap or something, a page cap, That's I don't know. Absolutely it, yeah. Okay, I don't know how the <laughs> fuck I remembered that, but I, um, yeah, it was odd, but it was definitely written down, like, not written down, but it was <clears throat> aged down and again it just felt like oh okay so this is going to be like saturday night live junior ish and i don't know it felt a little odd yeah she had a note from her mom because she was starting late because she had been watching the pageant it was like if 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 my daughter doesn't get to watch the whole pageant she'll just die or something like that it was pretty funny uh- yeah, and it, they, I don't know if there was like a delay. I'm guessing maybe it aired late because something ran over, maybe a sporting event ran over in the afternoon that went into the, bumped everything back 40 minutes. I don't know. I wasn't there. Um, I mean, I guess but, it explains yeah. why Gilda had a rushed cold open. Sorry to barge in. <laughs> no, you're fine. Please, barge away. I think she like said what the cold open was supposed to be, um, but I remember what it was. It was just something and... They cut it. 
That's actually, yeah, that's actually valid. Maybe that, yeah. All right. That, that makes more sense than anything I could think of. So, you know. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah the, Something the, that didn't make sense was the next sketch. Oh. <laughs> no, I was just going to say I wrote huh squared. Like that was just like, yeah. like it just, it, the, the vibe of this show was just real weird. It was all over the place. It was, um, because the next, well, the first sketch of the night was a pre-tape with Chevy Chase. He is three for three, I believe, right? And showing up after leaving the show. And yeah, this was uh, an ad for something called Pilsen's Feedback Dinner, which you literally just, it was like a bag that you strap to your face and it's for when you just don't have the time to eat. Yeah, okay, so this will get cut, but this... It's literally just me telling you that I hit in and out again for the second time in a week. <laughs> so fucking good. Um, anyway, um, yeah, this was not in and out for the second time in a week. This was fucking disgusting. And like it ends with like Chevy Chase picking up a date and she's like, where are we going for dinner? And Chevy Chase turns to the camera and like winks and it's just like, oh. Yeah, I felt like they were filling time with this. Like, I just don't know why we had to see Pilsen's feedback dinner. It wasn't the funniest thing. It was not the funniest thing. It was more of a what the fuck. Um, and I'm guessing it was, they had really had to rearrange the show at the last minute. And, oh, they had a pre-tape that got cut from a previous episode because I honestly, I cannot think of why Chevy Chase would be, key, like, you left. Like, if it wasn't a pre-tape, that's pathetic. Well, it was definitely a pre-tape if if it wasn't a pre-tape from before. Right, right, right. Sorry. If it wasn't, like, taped before he left the show, it's pathetic. (laughs) Yeah. It was just, yeah. Um, Yeah. We went into a a bee sketch, and the bees this week were uh, coming to Jodie Foster, who was sitting on her bed. Uh, I think, I don't remember if she was doing anything, but it seemed like she was just kind of sitting there vibing out and two bees, Lorraine Newman and John Belushi come in and they say they're going to take her to the land of the lost bees. They're uh, Pan and Tinkerbell, I think, or Tinker. Um, Tink was Belushi, Pan was Lorraine Newman. And Jodie Foster was like, um, I think I'm tripping. Like she didn't believe that these were bees talking to her. And so she's trying to yeah. test it out. Which, Okay. I appreciated that joke and also thought it was funny that she was like, this is, you know, way weirder, more realistic than what happened at that dead concert. And it's like, okay, child, you are 14. You should not be tripping. But obviously it was a joke. I'm just, I thought it was funny. Um, But yeah, it was, she was wearing a Peter Frampton shirt, which I did. I dug that. Um, And... Uh, I think she wore it again in another sketch. I could be making that up, though. Yeah, I think she did. It was either that or the Good Nights. I don't, I don't remember. But yeah, it was a bee sketch, and Jodie Foster was trying to convince the bees that they weren't real, and I believe she said they were bees for like Muppets with a longer contract. Yeah, I laughed so hard at that. That was fucking good, and the delivery was just amazing. It was. Um... This sketch turned into a sort of Peter Pan reference with after Jodie Foster saying, oh, you know, the bees don't exist. Um, Lorraine Newman says, oh, well, Tink, John Belushi needs 
everyone to believe in him for him to live. And so they had to all clap and he lived. And it was good. Jodie Foster really got the whole audience to like stand up and clap and get really into it. It was definitely a different vibe, though, from what the show is used to, I feel like. Yeah, it was a very weird B sketch. Um, and also, well, because I mean, the whole thing in Peter Pan is if you don't clap and tinker, if you don't clap and believe in Tinkerbell, she dies. So I get it. But like she, Jodie Foster was shouting at the audience, like, if you don't believe in bees, clap. And like everyone was clapping, but the bees didn't. Yeah, it was odd. It was. Um, and then this leads into the first musical performance by Brian Wilson. Yeah, um, so I'm not the biggest Beach Boys fan, and I, uh, was not, I was going into this with a very eh, um, perspective, and Brian Wilson, I don't know what the hell was going on, um, I don't know if it was the drink, the drugs, the whatever, but he was out of tune, out of key, it was not good where were the other beach boys i don't get it he was like promoting their album so i think they'd broken up at that point but well Ooh. maybe not. I, I don't fucking know because because he said they were promoting um i don't know what the album was called oh 15 big ones i wrote it down yeah <laughs> how timely sounds sorry yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay years active 61 to present Fuck the present. I I <laughs> oh yeah, no, they they still John Stamos tours with them. It's the weirdest fucking thing. Yeah, the the career genre of John Stamos and Beach Boys. I feel like that's where I could end up. <laughs> Please no, no. <laughs> no, so yeah, this was the Beach Boys' twentieth album, and it was. Um, uh, it comprises cover versions of rock and roll and rhythm and blues standards, along with a few new originals. The album was met with mixed reviews, huh? You don't say. Um, sorry. I'm not a Beach Boys fan. My dad listened to the Beach Boys, so like I know a lot of their songs and vibe with them. That explains a lot. Yeah, it really does. Oh, in the song The Greatest, um... <sighs> Lana Del Rey sings, like, I miss New York and I miss you. I miss L.A. the most of all. Miss the boys, miss rock and roll. Something about, um, she missed the bar the Beach Boys used to go. Dennis's last stop before Kokomo. He got real drunk, and then he fell into the water and drowned. So oh, shit. Whenever I think Beach Boys, I think that song because it's more pleasant than the beach boys are and that's saying something anyway that's what i had to say about brian <laughs> that's what i had to say about my thoughts throughout brian wilson's performances tonight anyway um yeah then we have a sketch it was an ad for something called puberty helper and this was a dan Aykroyd advertisement with jodie foster sort of demonstrating wearing this puberty helper which was a brown paper bag with a smiley face on it that just covers your entire body yeah um it was interesting i thought it was mildly funny because it was like it portrayed a normal interaction between human beings without any type of judgment or anything whatsoever because you can't literally can't see anything about the other person you're just judging them based on hi can i can i you help me with this blah 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 um yeah again weird but it worked better than um 
the fucking feedback or monologue or cold open. So, all right. For sure. Yeah, I laughed really hard when Dan Aykroyd um, listed some of the awkward teenage moments that this product would prevent. I don't remember any of them, but it was just, you know, your classic, like... It was like doing this, not doing this, having this happen, not having this happen. It was... It was basically just saying you're fucked. Crotch tense, probably. <laughs> oh, wait, there was um, the TSA. <laughs> this was um, strange. Mainly physical comedy, um, or at least prop comedy. Mainly metal-based comedy. <laughs> it was Yeah, it was just like... The scenario was literally Lorraine Newman, like, being a TSA agent. Garrett Morris walks through, he forgets his keys, takes his keys out, walks through again, he's fine. But then they give him his keys back and he walked through and it didn't beep. And I was like, wait, that's not how that works. Um, You just know that you have the keys or you hand it to him on the other side. Um, I also didn't understand why we had to see Garrett Morris go through first, just because I felt like it added time onto the sketch that we didn't need. Like, that wasn't really funny or anything. Like, it was cool, I guess, to set the scene, but but I was like, okay. Right. I it didn't I didn't feel, yeah, that's completely it. It wasn't necessary. Like, most, I, although, I suppose, I mean, it's 1976. I suppose there's still a fair amount of people that haven't flown Whoa. Also, well, yeah, TSA was just different. Right. Lots to think about. So, yeah, right. Um, yeah, no, I, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe just to, like, show people the premise because they wouldn't know, they wouldn't understand. I, I don't I don't fucking know. Again, I wasn't there. <laughs> so, yeah, no, so then Dan Aykroyd shows up, and he has, like, a fucking veritable hardware store in his trench coat. <laughs> like... Yeah. <laughs> it was just, like, and he kept, like, emptying and then walking through. And he's like, oh, yes, I forgot. And it's like, dude, there is definitely, like, a sheet of metal. And, like, you could see the outline in the coat. Um, just yeah, wrenches and, like, yeah. a saw at one point. I mean, it was funny, but at a certain point, I was just like, okay, we get it. Go yeah, on. he... Eventually took off his shirt and was wearing a metal collar with chains hanging off of it. And he was like, I can't get my collar off. I was like, oh my fucking god. What am I seeing right now? (laughs) Took a weird ass turn, but at least it spiced things up for the episode. Definitely. Yeah, and then he gets through... And like they're like, oh, so, oh sir, don't uh, don't take your thing, or don't forget to take your things, because he just like walks away without his metalware, and then he just like goes over and scoops everything up with his coat and walks off. And I was just like, oh no, that just set my OCD off like mad. It's like put the shit back in your pockets, even if it's not organized. Um, although it would be organized. <laughs> um, and then we see the Tin Man walk through, which. What? Yeah, they let him go right through. It, it, yeah, I was just like, all right, I, I guess we could have just ended with Dan Aykroyd walking off. I don't know why the Tin Man had to be there. Yeah, that was a bit. Th- that was the peak of the physicality of this sketch. Yeah. All right, um, and then we went into Weekend Update. I cannot remember what Jane Curtin was doing at the top, but I do. But well, there's there no no, no sexual funny business at the top is what my note was. 
Okay. Well, then maybe that's why I don't remember. <laughs> Good memory. But, uh, no, I, um, yeah, it opened with a joke about uh, Dwight D. Eisenhower's, I think it was, yeah, it was Dwight D. Eisenhower's uh, mistress was writing a book and uh, Kay Summersby. Eisenhower and his mistress and her book was proof that old soldiers never die. They just limp away. And I laughed so hard. Yeah, um, she also talked about Jimmy Carter's transition office. She said that it's most of them young, all of them Santa Claus. And you see a picture of his office, and it's just Santa Clauses <laughs> lined up. I thought that was really funny. Um, they were really skilled. They they knew when you were sleeping and all that shit. Uh, yeah, that was that was amusing, but again, very fucking weird. I, I, I don't know. I mean, like, okay, we're coming into the holiday season, but what? We're not even that close to the holiday no, season. Like three weeks out at this point, not even. Um, did we say? I'm sorry. Did we even say? Yes, um, this, I did. Uh, you probably said. I did. Yeah. Um, because I have no memory of that. I, for some reason, I was like, "Oh, they had a show before th- right before Thanksgiving. It was like the 20th and the 27th, and it was like Thanksgiving was in between. I think, like, I don't fucking know. Yeah, so, yeah. That was. Uh, I thought. Definitely odd timing. They would never do that now. Um, like, yeah. uh, there was another joke about Patty Hearst, and oh, she's home, she's redecorating her room. And then they flash the picture of her holding the gun that we've all seen <laughs> with the comment, here she is buying furniture <laughs> with her gun. Um, there was a bit where she called President Carter and... It was Dan Aykroyd, and I forgot exactly what it was, but she was offering him a full denim wardrobe if he answered some of her questions. Yeah, and then what did she fucking ask him? I can't even remember. I don't know. That's how memorable it was. <laughs> oh, It was something really inappropriate. And oh, he no, was, was like, it? I-, I think. Fuck. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was, it was funny. The crowd loved it. Um, okay. Uh, there was a joke about Jacques Cousteau and how he's like, well, I, was, I thought I was going to find Atlantis, and I didn't, so it must not exist because I can't find it. Like, the audacity of men. Like, fuck you. I think there's also something about STDs, like some sort of joke in, within that mention of him, unless I'm getting my, my thoughts mixed up here. No, it was because um, it was something about... The STDs on the island don't exist because or it was like on his thing because he couldn't find any like native women or something. I I, I don't know. It was yeah. It, it was something like that. And I was just like, yeah, okay, sir, goodbye. Um, there was uh, okay. So after JFK died. Jackie Kennedy was obviously a widow. She remarried uh, this Aristotle Onassis dude. He was like a shipping heir or something. He had like money, more money than God. Um, And there was, I guess, a battle over his estate between Jackie and his daughter and uh, Tina, his daughter Tina. And Gene Curtin is like, oh, and to show how they settled this, we're going to cut a, we have footage of this. And it cuts to two women mud wrestling and Gene Curtin then begins narrating it like it's a wrestling match. But I was also like, I don't like this. 
Yeah, I actually didn't even write that down. I kind of wanted to not remember that. Okay, well, you see, I didn't want to remember it either, but I felt it was icky enough that it warranted me making note of. Um, yeah. Uh, then it cut away. Please, this this next bit was just fucking... This is like every... It was, okay, to be perfectly honest, this reminded me of my fucking godfather. So, anyway. Ugh. Is this the bit where they cut away to what they cut away to what kind of guy watches Saturday Night Live? Yes. Yeah, and so it's John Belushi is a viewer of SNL, but he also owns a plant shop, and um, he talks about the stereotype of plant shop owners being gay, and then he says that he he watches Saturday Night for the for the woman for the really hot, beautiful woman. Right? Yeah, and I didn't know if this was them saying, like, okay, this man is clearly over-projecting, because he said he was so secure in his virility that, quote, he can joke about homos. And, like, were they making the comment that the women on Saturday Night Live were unattractive? Because that is not the fucking case. And also, fuck off. That's kind of what I was assuming the punchline was supposed to be, too. I was yeah. like, ooh, not so sure. Yeah, no, I, I don't, uh, yeah, something about, yeah, I, I just, this whole bit was icky, and I was like, God damn it, John Belushi, you're, you could be trash. I shouldn't say he was yeah. trash, but that was, that was a trash segment, sir. It was not great. Um... And we had another mention of Morse the Cat, and uh, Jane Curtin read some of the suggestions that people had sent in for him, uh, for his ninth way to end his life, and she said, well, he's picky, and he's going to need some more suggestions. (laughs) Uh, The last part of Update killed with the audience. It started off really, really slow, but for some reason, everyone loved those last bits. Um the final performance it was the second of three brian wilson performances how lucky um he performed loves a woman and um it was schmaltzy 70s it it was schmaltzy 70s bs it was a yeah he can't sing and this is a bad song yeah i had never heard it before and i will not listen to it again um yeah the next song he did I did actually listen to after I finished the episode, um, but we'll get to that. First, well, we'll yeah. get to the next sketch. I also um, wanted to say the song made absolutely no fucking sense. Love is, It was like, <laughs> it, it, like, it just didn't fucking make sense. I watched with, I was reading the lyrics and I'm like, this is grammatically weird and it makes, I, I don't know what you're saying. Um, and then towards the end the audience basically started clapping early. They, it was like they wanted it over. It was like he wasn't done playing, and the audience was like, woo, yeah, we're great. Um, and then as the camera is zooming, panning, uh, backing up, the, the, I thought I heard Gilda either saying Joey or Jody. And I was like, just like calling out someone's name. It sounded like that, but I could be very wrong. I did not hear that. Okay, anyway, we can move on. Please go on. <laughs> um, this next segment was Little Known Talents of the Not Ready for Primetime Players, and it was introduced by Gilda, 
um, because she wasn't going to have any talents. She was introducing Lorraine's sound effects. Um, and she did, I believe it was three sound effects. Um, four. Okay, four. well, I didn't turn my page. I wrote page. them down. Is, yeah, I wrote them down too, but this is the last part. I was, I was making a big fat guess. I have no idea what's on the other page of the snowback once I turn it over. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, she, um, her sound effects were a baby crying. A little dog getting stepped on. She played her lip, and then it was a she did a chicken possessed by the devil, where she just went to a really low register. It was like block me, at which I thought how could I forget? Fucking, I was I thought that was fucking amazing. I cackled. That was the best. Yeah, they all had kind of fun little endings. Like the baby crying ended with a burp, and um. <laughs> Well, actually, I don't know what the other ones were, but yeah, the the pluck me, pluck me, I was dying. <laughs> I thought that was a really good showcase. Um, it was, you know, very, it was obviously odd, but that's the whole fucking point of the show. And I was just like, all right, you can do weird too. I like it. Um, and there was uh, a sketch celebrating Don Pardo's 50 years in show business. And he was 58 years old at this point. That man, I think he lived to be 98 years old. He, uh, 98 or 96. Um, he, uh, he still did the voice, he still did the announcing for Saturday Night Live up until either shortly before he died or right before he died. He would record them from his home in Arizona and he wouldn't do it live, but he would pre-record the voices and like email them back to or send them back to I, I mean it was digital age he could email at that point but kicks he was almost 100 fucking years old and he still did it and now it's daryl hammond um anyway it was basically just a little look at don pardo's life and like he came out of the womb but he was announcing throughout this entire sketch so it was like yeah they I'm noticed here. his talents when he was born <laughs> and and the dad who was it? i think the dad was like John Belushi, he was like, oh, I need to send out the birth announcements. And he goes, no, you won't, Dad. It's a boy. And it was just great. It was actually pretty funny. Um, Yeah. Didn't have much to say about this sketch. It was one of the less offensive for, yeah, things to watch. It was wholesome. It was just, I mean, it was kind of long, I'll say. We went through his whole career. Which, I mean, the man was 58 at that point. They probably didn't foresee him living another 40 years. True. They probably thought, shit, let's give a sketch to Don. Um, the next sketch, I fucking hated. Yeah, me too. I wish that the sketch would end just about the minute it began because, yep. yeah, it's Jodie Foster as a student and the teacher um, was Dan Aykroyd. And it's very clear this is the last day of school and she has a crush on him and she's telling him that, you know, oh, I'm going to be sad that I won't get to talk to you anymore. And he's like trying to pick up his stuff and leave. And she's kind of like cornering him in the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very clear. He's uncomfortable. Yeah. It was just, she wrote him a poem and she read it to him. It was terrible. Yeah. It was just very cringe. 
Yeah, I was like, oh, honey, no. Like, this just felt like they were like, okay, let's do a sketch from a 14-year-old's perspective or something. Like, what would a 14-year-old girl think or some shit? And I, I don't know. It just felt not like her. I don't know. I was just like, oh, baby, no. Well, yeah, no, it definitely didn't feel like it was Jodie Foster saying any of that stuff. No, no. It was, yeah, it was just weird all around. I mean, knowing what we know about Jodie Foster now, it's just like, okay, oh, no. Um, but, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, we had Gary Weiss's film, which wasn't all that bad this week. It was uh, kids talking about their dreams. I loved it. Yeah, it was actually, yeah, it was a two for two for Gary Weiss. He had the... yeah. Was it the lady last week? I believe. So he's good with the oldies and the young ones. Um, Everyone in between is just like... Toss oh. up. Mm-mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the next sketch was the King Kong dirge, which was Garrett Morris singing about King Kong. And that's the whole sketch, yeah. Yeah. It was, again, I mean, I, okay... I like, I mean, I like watching movies who doesn't, not super into the King Kong Godzilla style movie, not really my thing. So I've never seen it. I basically know that it's about Same. humans killing monkeys that invade me. I, I don't know. It, the, he's on the Empire State Building and he has a woman in his hand. I, that's what I know. Yeah, um, that's exactly what I know as well. Yeah. Uh, God, please. Um... The, uh, yeah, I don't have anything else to say about this next, about, about the King Kong. Do you want to just take the, this sketch? Oh, okay, sure. <laughs> or, yeah, um, yeah. It was uh, Garrett Morris and Jane Curtin. They're sitting on the couch. They've been married for six years, but um, something's off, and we don't really know what. And it comes out that Jane Curtin told Garrett Morris that uh, she was black, and that she's like, I'm not black, and they're talking about this, and he's like, wait, so you mean you lied to me at the bar, blah, 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 what's your name, at least I know your name. Um, And then it turns out that she thinks he's white, or he thought... Yeah! It was like, okay, are they blind and they just don't know? Is it... I I did not understand this. I mean, it it was creative, but I didn't get it. It was a bit out there. For sure. Yeah. Oh, the next thing. Oh, my God. When you told me, because you, you texted me when you were halfway through, and you were like, oh, yeah, no, I think it was, like, just Weekend Update or something. You're like, it's been an okay episode so far. And I was just like, uh-huh, sure. We hadn't, you hadn't gotten to the second half yet. Um, we had another version of Shudder, and brace yourselves, Mr. Mike's Least Loved Bedtime Stories. Yeah, this was the little train that died, and this was a little bit different from the other Least Loved Bedtime Tales, because this one had Jodie Foster in it, wearing, like, bows in her hair, and coming up and asking for a bedtime story. Yeah, and then Michael O'Donoghue proceeds to pull Jodie Foster onto his lap, and she's wearing the shortest fucking shorts ever, and don't tell me he did not write this sketch to literally be able to have Jodie Foster sit on his fucking lap. This man is a fucking creep. I do not like him. Yeah, I just got the worst 
nastiest vibes from seeing that mm-hmm. on my screen. It was it was just like, oh no, this would never ever happen now. Like it was bad when it was Lorraine Newman on Dan Aykroyd's lap with the whole Freud thing from season one. That was bad enough, but at least they were both adults. She's 14 years old, Mr. Yeah, Mike. Yeah, that is not okay. That is not fucking okay. Um, anyway, yeah, I did not like this at all. It was basically a little train. He thought he could. He got most of the way up. His brakes failed. He rolled back down. Hit a school bus, killed 150 children, but he missed yeah. a frog. He missed a frog. Because the frog jumped out of the way. Police... Yeah, and then they beat the frog to death because they were like, it's not fair that those kids died and the frog didn't. A cap. Um, yeah, I did not like this. <laughs> yeah, no, this was... The, the, I, I, I cannot believe this man. Uh, I cannot believe this man um, was allowed to <laughs> Just get cannot believe on him. television. No, and I remember there being a section in Life from New York where somebody was like, yeah, he played me a clip of something that we should have on the show, and it was like something really gruesome or graphic. I cannot fucking remember what. I've blocked it from my memory. And it was like, oh, no, this is a variety show. You, you're sick. He kind of is. I don't. I don't like some of his ideas of humor. Mm-mm, no. Um, okay, and so the episode ended with Brian Wilson performing "Good Vibrations," which I did. Then, when this episode ended, go and listen to it because I think it's a bop. Um, I love my. I don't love it, but I, I vibe with my yacht rock sometimes. If you would call it that. <laughs> um. Yeah, no, it is a bop, uh, and I'm sure the version that you listened to was better than this, because again, he was really out of key, and he was not hitting all of the right piano keys, which fine happens sometimes, but it's really hard to cover up when it's only you and a freaking piano. Um, that was why I had to listen to the song immediately after, because I was like, I need to write this in my brain. Write this wrong. Yeah, no, you need to erase that shit. Um... And then the good nights, it was Jodie Foster. They told her she had time, um, so she just kind of spitballed for a bit, and then the rest of the cast were up on, uh, she pulled them up on stage, and she's like, oh, my God, they're amazing. Michael O'Donoghue is still smoking. Um, and that was the episode. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think I can guess what sketch really didn't work for you in this episode. Which sketch was that? Mr. Mike's least love bedtime tales. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Originally for me yeah. it was gonna be the um the last day of school sketch, but then when I saw that, I was like, oh fuck. Yeah, no, no, same. It was the oh, well, it's not gonna get worse than this. I'm just because that was just fucking terrible. I'm sorry. It was creepy, it was gross. I no. Definitely did not work for me. Um so yeah, the runner up to worst was creepy. It was the school, last day of school sketch. What's your runner-up? <laughs> My runner-up would be the little-known talents of the Not Ready for Primetime Players. I really liked Lorraine Newman's uh, little sound effects. Okay. I don't know why I called them little. They were, they were actually pretty big. She did a really good job was, taking that stage I was up. Say, she took up the whole stage. Her presence was grand. Um, my runner-up was the Gary Weiss film. That was almost mine as well. I... Liked it. I liked how it ended with this one little girl being like, sometimes I, um, 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 I don't know. It was so <laughs> cute. Yeah. And then what was your best? My best was the Jodie Foster, Dan Aykroyd, Puberty Helper ad. 
Okay. Huh. Very interesting. What was yours? Uh, Lorraine Newman's Unusual Talents. Makes sense. I really appreciated, um, I don't know, it just, it was a different, we saw a different side of her, and I thought that was great. I mean, we've seen her kind of writhing on a bed, being possessed when Richard Pryor hosted, but I don't know, this was less traumatic than that. Well, yeah, because she was saying, pluck me, and that was just really funny. Yeah, pretty fucking much. So, um, yeah, that is it for... Uh, this episode, uh, you can find us on all major podcast platforms. Uh, don't forget to like, subscribe, rate, and review. Yeah, find us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, and YouTube. We're at Satinite High Pod. Night is spelled N-I-T-E on Twitter. Uh, you can find us at satinitehighpod at gmail. We have a website, satinitehighpod.com. And we will be back next week with the 1976 Christmas show hosted by Candace Bergen with uh, musical performances by Frank Zappa with Don Pardo as the slime. Should be interesting. Yeah. Um, well, until we see the slime, I'm Steph. And I'm Gilda. Happy Happy eyes. eyes.